Hello there, listener, and welcome to episode 48 of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. And today I am so excited to introduce you to Kevin Monroe from X Factor Consulting. If you don't already know Kevin, get ready for an absolutely enthralling ride um, with someone who is probably one of the most present, caring, deeply humanistic human beings I've had the pleasure to meet in a very long time. And I feel like I've known Kevin forever, yet we've only met in the last uh, month or so. As we get going, I just wanted to, to share a couple of my initial reflections around, I just love how Kevin really doesn't add any value um, to job, job titles or to titles in general. He says the most important titles to him are has, a husband, daddy, papa, and friend, which I think is absolutely beautiful. He talks about the importance of showing up as a peer as we're all in this together. And I really love his sentiment that podcasts are about the host the guest and the listener. And so often, you know, we can think it's about the, the guest and the person that's hosting the podcast, but absolutely Kevin is right. And it's not always something that I fully recognize is that thank you for everybody that continues to subscribe to Valley Through Vulnerability for you that may listen occasionally. This podcast is generally done in, with the best possible intent just to bring great people together to have open human centered conversations. And I really hope that they serve you and uh, Kevin and I look forward to your feedback as to how you think this conversation flows. So all the very best for now and really looking forward to hearing from you. Welcome to value through vulnerability. This is a human centered podcast from the listening organization. And today, I am more than excited because I've got the Kevin Monroe from X Factor Consulting with me today. So hi there, Kevin. Hey, Gary, and, and you listening. Thanks for listening. Gary, thanks for having me. You know, we were, we were chatting beforehand. Who's more excited over today's podcast? <laughs> and we just agreed it's a toss-up. We both are. <laughs> what a great start to a podcast. I love it. Look, there's going to be a lot of the, uh, the Humans First tribe, I hope, that listen to this. They'll know you quite well, Kevin. But for those that follow this podcast that maybe don't know you, can you just give a, take a couple of minutes to explain, you know, who are you? What is your background? And this is the important part. What are you passionate about? Mm -hmm. Wow. So, you know, Gary, the way I've, I've said this in some official introductions is through the years, I've had a lot of um, important titles associated on business cards and stuff. The, the ones I love now are husband daddy, papa, we have a granddaughter, and friend. That, that's what really excites me is, is just showing up as, as a peer. We're all peers. We're all in this together. You know, man, I've had a, an amazing journey in life uh, trying to find the work that I really loved, knowing from the time I was a teenager, knowing this. And, and I don't know where this started, but I'm here. You're here. You, Gary, you listening, we're here to make the world a better place, to make a difference in our journey as we pass through the planet. And that, that's really what I seek to do. And there have been several different, you know, manifestations of that. It showed up. I worked in the corporate world for over a decade. I worked in the nonprofit sector world. And then for the last 14 years, I've been in business for myself through X Factor Consulting. And I think we're on version 4.0 of X Factor Consulting, what that is and does. So it's a journey. That's amazing. And what drives, I, I love already, like straight away, I got so many questions, Kevin. But the first one for me is, you said from teenage years, your teenage years, you knew what was driving you or there was something that was pulling you. Can you speak about that a bit? Yeah, seriously, you know, and, and so I say this to people, Gary, Yeah. A lot that I do comes off as corny to a lot of other people. Some people judge it, and that, that's corny. Well, maybe saying that you want to make the world a better place is corny. If it's corny for you, well, you're probably not listening to this podcast. I'm thinking <laughs> the folks listening to this podcast are vulnerable enough to, to say, no, that's really what we want. Now, I'm not saying I'm seeking to change the whole world, even though there are times I, I'd love that. But at least my corner of the world, the folks that I have the, the opportunity to um, connect with on a daily basis, just be a light. 
you know, show love, uh, be a voice of hope. It, people, I remember meeting a client one time, 7.30 in the morning, and, and she was kind of dragging, you know, and I'm there to lead a, a board retreat for a nonprofit organization, and I jump out of the car, and I'm excited and happy, and she says, how are you today? She said, I said, I'm great. She says, I have the feeling you always are. And I looked at her and said, it's our choice, right? We get to choose how we show up in the world. So why not choose that today's going to be a great day? And so I kind of, I've just kind of had that, you know, this, this orientation towards purpose, towards positivity, towards just believing more is available, more is possible, and good things are coming our way. Yes, I've got, to, I've, I've got to say two things to you, Kevin. One is your congruence, and this is one of my favorite words when I'm able to use it. I've known you now for maybe the last four to six weeks. For people that may hear this and maybe don't know you yet, understand this is a very authentic human being that I'm speaking to you right now. This is not a putting it on, wanting to sound positive. This is Kevin through and through, and I can see it already in just four to six weeks. So, Kevin, genuinely, thank you for what you do and for bringing that light because, as you say, it's a choice. And I think there's something for me around vulnerability and courage because mm. it's quite hard, isn't it, to show up in this world and be that light sometimes. And what, what would you say to that? <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, yeah. I mean, you know, um, so. Uh, first off, thank you. You know, our mutual friend, Kimberly Davis, whom you had on the um, Courage Summit, she's joining me on the Higher Purpose podcast next week. In her book, I saw something that just caught me in a different way because I aspire to be authentic. But Kimberly believes that it, authenticity is in the eye of the beholder, like beauty. You know, it's not up to us to say we're authentic. It's up to someone else to say my experience of him or her, they come across as authentic. So when somebody, so I've stopped saying I'm authentic. You know, I just realized that's hollow for me. That's what I aspire to show up in the world. But it means the world to me when somebody like you, Gary, just paid me, you know, a supreme compliment. So thank you. As I said to someone, and you know, you're podcasting. I podcast. Man, stuff flows in podcasts. You say stuff you, you didn't really know you were consciously thinking before. It's in your heart. It's in your mind. Somehow it comes out. And the other day I was talking to a, a lady. She was talking about the podcast and, and how much she was enjoying this human's first focus and, and, you know, how easy it was to get to me. And I said, you know, Martine uh, from, from uh, Finland, Martine, my goal is to just keep the walls down and the doors open. And to make it, that's vulnerability, right? It is just trying to lower the walls because I've lived in the world where we've tried to erect walls. And, and you know what I learned a long time ago? I heard somebody say this, the, the walls we've built to keep others out only imprison us. Right. So if, if you're one of these people trying to build these walls to protect yourself, you're not protecting yourself. You've imprisoned yourself. So vulnerability is lowering the walls, keeping the doors open, getting comfortable with who you are, who I am, who you listening, who you really are. You, you know, I, I said to somebody the other day, I, I spoke at an event last year and somebody criticized me for the jeans I wore, you know, and, and I'm kind of like, OK, and now I understand. Hey, I'm not, I am not a designer gene kind of guy. If you need to have a designer gene consultant show up in your world, don't hire me. You know, I, I, so anyway, that's just getting comfortable. So going back, my father was probably the most authentic man I ever knew. And in my teenage years, I was embarrassed. Because he was so real. And he, he just didn't put on airs to impress others. So, you know, when I look at it, where it comes from, it comes up from my upbringing and just this having a, a dad who was just himself and comfortable being himself. Yes, it's really beautiful. If I come back, I love, I love the description you shared from Kimberly's book, um, Brave Leadership, because it's also the same, what I've learned over the last probably two years, Kevin, is trust is the same. Yeah. So, 
ultimately, yes, you, can be, you have to be trustworthy. It's all very well trusting someone else, but if you don't earn trust of someone else, it's up to someone else's viewpoint whether you are trustworthy or not. And that's it's a quite a similar sort of message, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So go, go, let me go back and answer your question a little more. And, and like I say, you've gotten to know me. I'm, I'm reluctant to share stuff like this, but because this is so real time, I, I want to share it. And this is something that came out of a, a LinkedIn feed this morning, right before Gary and I were recording in the last hour leading up to this, I had a, I host a weekly podcast and we've been doing, we've done nine conversations on what it means to live, love, lead, work in a human's first fashion. And this week's guest was Cecile Pierre from Switzerland and Marianne Kerr wrote, if I could jump through my computer and hug Cecile Pierre and Kevin Monroe, I would. The joy I felt as I listened to this absolutely brilliant podcast inspired me in a deep and abiding way. And then this is the line that ties to our conversation. She said, Kevin and Cecile, I am so grateful for how each of you shows up in the world. I got to read the rest of it. I agree that our ability to create a conspiracy of compassion, to be catalysts for kindness, and to recognize that even if the organizations themselves do not grasp this, each of us, by showing up this way, makes a difference, right? So Cecile had talked about the contagion effect, that you can make a difference even if your workplace is a pit of despair, a pit of darkness, you choosing to show up as light to you know, to find a, a positive way to approach difficult circumstances and situation makes a difference. But to this value of vulnerability, when, when I read that by Marianne, I responded, I was like, wow, you know, this, I'm so grateful for how each of you shows up in the world. Gary, this is the point, right? Authenticity is being able to show up as who we really are. And I said to Marianne, Thank you. I mean, that's just one of the, the kindest compliments somebody can say. And it's a journey. It's, it's a battle to show up. And then, so I posted this, my favorite line from E.E. E. Cummings, to be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you like everyone else means to fight the hardest battle any of us ever fights and never stops fighting. So to show up as, as yourself is a daily decision. Actually, it's a moment by moment. It's an hour by hour decision because you and I, we know, we go into environments where there is an expectation of how you should show up. There is, you know, this kind of thing. And you just go, hmm, nope, I'm just going to be me. And and if folks don't like me, and, and this is part of the thing I've realized. So, you know, when I started the podcast, I wanted to produce something for everybody. <laughs> That's kind of a mistake, right? Because if, if you produce something for everybody, you don't please anybody. And so instead, I found, wow, who is my audience? My audience are the people listening to this podcast, the people that think there is a better way to live, love, and lead. And it is putting other people ahead of ourselves. You know, it, it's humans first. It's servant leadership. It's those kind of things. Those kind of people love my podcast and respond, and we resonate. Podcasting, what, here's what I love about podcasting. It is a great vehicle for community. And then conversation. So we invite people into this conversation. And I love it when people start responding and start telling us what resonated with them out of a podcast episode. And join the conversation, right? It's not just Gary and I that are talking. You know, the way I think of a podcast, it's, it's you, the listener, Gary and me in this conversation together right now. So pull up a chair. <laughs> Uh, I think it's just just brilliant absolutely brilliant Kevin honestly uh, I really love you pointing to that community part because I don't think it's always obvious to people that what we are all part of all of the time is a community and I think it's again that being seen part that vulnerability to say actually you know for someone to actually come onto LinkedIn a to give you that feedback they gave you which was yeah. beautiful in itself but to know 
that anybody across the internet can see that message, I think is really powerful as well in itself. So it's not just the message to you and to Cecile, it's that person's confidence and vulnerability to say, I believe enough in this message, I'm going to yeah. put it on the internet. And there's something beautiful about that, isn't there? Isn't there? I mean, it is. It is beautiful because you know, there, there's some kind of statistic somewhere that, that somebody maybe listening even knows, right? For every person that responds, they're all, there are 50 others or 100 others that feel that same way but don't respond. Mm. So it means something to me when all of a sudden you start seeing a choir of people showing up you know, and, and more than one, I mean, I'm like blown away at, at the level of, of engagement and community that has emerged as I've started down this human's first label or path for the work I do. I didn't, and I want to be very clear, I did not create humans first. Uh, our, our friend Mike Vacanti coined the term humans first club uh, uh, last October but, you know, even Mike looks at humans first as this, and I know Mike's going to be an upcoming guest, so you all can go into this deeper, but it's an open source thing. It's, it's like Firefox or um, what, what's, even, uh, what's the Mozilla, you know, hey, if you want to contribute, there's a seat for you at the table. Come up and join. So Mike and I have become very dear friends, close collaborators, talk on a weekly basis, usually two or three times a week. But it's like, but once I started tapped into this, using this humans first language and tapping into the humans first community, oh my gosh, what, what's, what's an amazing group of people? It is an amazing group of people. And I'm really grateful to Mike and to you for, because, you know, there are, I would say there's quite a lot of, let's call them tribes or, you know, groups, you know, the hacking HR and disrupt HR, you know, there's a lot of good things out there. But there's very few, I think, that are having this depth of conversation around humans first or human centered. You know, actually having the dialogue as to how do you move that dial from where we've been to where we're going. So I think, you know, I cannot recommend enough for anybody listening. Do get involved with this. Follow Kevin. Follow Mike Vacanti. Get involved because it, I think it was you actually, um, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, spoke about something around. Oh, it's going to come back to me. Something about keeping the walls down or building a bridge. I can't remember what it is now. Yeah. What, yeah. Um, keeping the walls down, doors open. Uh, I'm trying to think which come. Oh. Uh, um, Claude Silver, in the conversation with her, Claude talked about building the bridge first, not waiting for someone else to cross to you. But make the first step, build the bridge, not just build the bridge, but walk over it, initiate the interaction, right? So many of us, we, we just want to wait. Um, you know, so Gary, you, you've been so fun to join in. In, in March, it, it just hit me. I was like, maybe we should do a human's first hangout and see who would show up. You know, if we just, and so for me, it was an experiment. And this is influenced by my friend and mentor, uh, Rich Sheridan. Rich has written Chief Joy Officer and Joy Inc., uh, CEO of Menlo Innovations. And he just had this, I, I picked this up from Rich seven years ago. He said, Kevin, when something comes our way, we don't try to boil the ocean or burn the ships. We just run the experiment. Just do something small and see. So Mike and I, you know, I had woke up one day with this idea. What if we did a human's first hangout? Because there are these humans first club meetings that you can talk with Mike about and happen specific times, specific places. If it's in your community and you're there at the right, but there are folks that are wanting to talk about this all the time. So it's like, well, what if we did a hangout? So for me, the hypothesis was if we did a hangout, would people come? If they came, would they join in? Would they engage in conversation? Would they hang around? Well, you've been there. You know, I loved it. First week, uh, Nuria Rojo from um, somewhere in Switzerland, I think, says, I can come for five minutes. Come for five minutes. She stayed for 60. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I thought you could only stay for five. Wow, it was so good. And again, that's that thing. There, there's no agenda. I mean, we, we, we loosely kind of say, well, here are a couple of topics to talk about. Uh, but it's just letting people. And, 
And somebody last week's conversation talked about, they didn't know. They were invited by a guest. Now, I really love that, right? Here is somebody that's never been before that's planning on coming, and they invited guests to come to their first time. So Andrea's there as a guest. And Andrea's kind of like, well, I wasn't really sure. She said, but, but the, the warmth. She said, I'm just looking at the screen, and all of these people are smiling, looking back at me, drawing me in. There was a warmth. There was an energy. There was a vulnerability. She actually sent me this post and said, I felt naked, not in a bad way. I just didn't feel that I, not that I was exposed, but naked because I was accepted. Like, wow. I mean, Gary, if we can have more of that in this world. <laughs> right? I mean, we need more of that. Places where people just, we all have a longing for belonging. We're wired with that. Mm -hmm. it, let's just, let's just recognize you belong here. You belong here. You're welcome here. Come in, hang out with us. It's, 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 there's so many comments that come to me. There's one I want to mention for people. So they might just to give a little bit of, not that we need to give balance, Kevin, but I think, you know, some people do struggle. Some people might want to get involved. There might be one of those 50 or 100 that maybe are more introverted. Maybe they don't have the confidence to get involved yet. What would you say to them um, to sort of maybe build a little bit more courage or maybe just maybe observe a bit more and get involved at some point? Do you have any sort of thoughts around that? Well, let me think about that. Um, yes, in the prepared questions that Gary sent me, this was point 3C. No, I mean, folks... <laughs> If anybody's worked out that there's no questions, I hope they have worked that out by now. <laughs> no, we just show up to have a conversation. Um, so I haven't really thought about this, but, but I think it's a great point. Um, and we've had people. So, okay. One of these, when I facilitate, there are a couple of guidelines I introduce to a, 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 the group and hopefully the group weighs, buys into them. One of those is, Speak if you feel moved to speak. Now, you know, I can quote Plato, and, and some people get offended when I quote Plato, but Plato said, the wise man speaks because he has something to say. The fool speaks because he has to say something. Um, so you don't, but if you feel moved to speak, whether you're somebody that normally speaks or not, if you feel moved, speak. But we're not going to call on people and call people out and, and put someone who really wants to be there more as a quiet observer and just participate. So there's that. Uh, then there's this, you know, just come and see. Try it and see. Um, and just enter in at the... the well, let's say it like this. I'm trying to think. Several people have used this analogy. Um, so when I had a conversation with our friend Marcel, you know, I asked Marcel the opening question. I'm like, dude, man, you dove into the deep end of the pool where I thought we were going to kind of start in the kiddie end and wade out, bring people with us. First question, you dive into the deep end of the pool. But that analogy. So some people are comfortable immediately jumping into the deep end of the pool. I'm all in. Some people are coming, they're wanting to just sit on the side, dip their toe in, get a feel for the water, and then maybe, you know, come in a step or two, and then up to the, the ankles, and then the knees, and then sooner or later, they may take the plunge and go all the way in. Whatever it is, it's fine. And it's up for us to create environments that are welcoming and supportive of folks wherever they're at in that spectrum. Uh, and, and then the other thing for me, and I've learned a lot about introversion in recent years, because I used to think of introversion as personality style, where then I learned well, that one definition of introversion is how you are energized and recharged. So when I look at that definition, because I'm sure there's some people listening to us now that would peg me as an extrovert. Gary, I'm an introvert. You know, I love connection and I love conversation. I love community. But I start my day with 90 minutes or more of solitude. You know, it's just me. 
And, and my wife, Gwen, she knows. I mean, she, fortunately, I'm an early riser. She's not as early of a riser as me, so I get that time easily. But if we wake up at the same time, she knows. Or if we're on vacation, she knows I'm looking for some time alone. And that's how I recharge and energize. I think about this. A few years ago, I was on a project with a client. And it's one of these, I love it. I've been blessed to do it every year for six years now. Come in on a Sunday night. We do dinner with a group. It's a group of uh, global leaders, about 35 leaders from around the world. They're together for a year-long program. I'm there with them the first three days. So we come in on Sunday night. There's a dinner. We're in session all day Monday. There's a dinner Monday night. We're in session all day Tuesday. There's a dinner Tuesday night. We're in a session all day Wednesday. And then Wednesday night, you're on your own. So we're at Disney World. And, and I've gotten my Kindle, and I'm going to dinner by myself. You know, because here have been three days of, or three plus days of breakfast, lunch, dinner with people, with people all day long. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then the, the organizers of the event walk into the same restaurant I'm at, I'm at in Disney. And they're like, oh, you need to come have dinner with us. And I'm like, really? I'm fine. No, no, no. We insist. You know, and I'm kind of like, I'm kind of spent at that point. I would have been so much more comfortable in the corner, the quiet corner with my Kindle to read a book and recharge rather than be at a table and income. But I went and we had a delightful time. It's a wonder. But, you know, that's kind of the introversion, extroversion. Where do you get your fuel and where do you get recharged? it's this this might surprise people that know me or those that maybe don't know me so well Kevin but I'm exactly the same so I'm in an international sales and marketing role I spend day in day out negotiating relationship building rapport building getting to know people I absolutely love my solitary dinners or going for a walk along the beach or no I might be more towards ambivert than maybe introvert I'm but, probably ambivert too yeah but I tell you totally with you you know, there's nothing better than having that time to myself. And, and that time alone is what allows you to show up filled up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love, I want to point a little bit as well, because I think this conversation is really rich and it's picking up on, and I'm wondering your thoughts on this, Kevin, around the element of safety. So mm. as in for someone to bring that full self, for someone to be heart led and to be vulnerable, to be courageous, you know, just to really, remove as many of those masks as possible how important is safety in that environment do you feel oh. <laughs> well okay so thanks for giving me a softball question <laughs> I, I, you're teeing this up and i'm thinking oh i have to talk about safe no and then he goes well how important do you th safety is absolutely essential uh you know just just making it safe and, and uh you know you saw this quotation that I posted from uh, Bob Chapman. Mm -hmm. We've paid people for their hands for years. They would have given us their heads and hearts for free if we'd just known how to ask. So that's that safety. How do we pump fear out of the environment so that you, you recognize it's safe. It's safe to come in and to voice a contrarian opinion or to ask a question why do we do things? You know, I, I'm, I'm blessed to know a lot of amazing leaders. One of those is Gary Ridge, another double R Gary uh, of the WD-40 company. And Gary, I love this, in a recent conversation he was sharing that they do, I, I think they do it quarterly or, or periodically, but they do this internal video series where they talk about what were we thinking? And they talk about a project that the company had embarked on and maybe committed a lot of resources to that didn't turn out the way they had hoped. Rather than, you and I both know companies that sweep that under the carpet. Don't want anybody to ever know that this, just, just, just hope it goes away and nobody ever ask about it again, right? They do these videos, what were we thinking? And bring it up and do, you know, what, what you would call a post-mortem. What were we thinking when we launched this project? Well, what didn't we anticipate that caused it to turn out somewhat differently? Mm. And what might we do different next time? Well, all of a sudden, if I'm willing to talk about my big mistakes and mistakes we made with, with corporate decisions, that creates a culture of safety, 
of vulnerability. So, you know, it's kind of like leaders go first. Okay, Simon Sinek wrote leaders eat last, but leaders go first. If you want to invite people to be vulnerable, you start with vulnerability. Just this morning, I had a conversation with our son. He started a new job in February. He's loving this job with a wealth management firm that's a very unique perspective. They, they work with clients who want to give their wealth away and help them figure out how to do that rather than folks that are just trying to maximize how much we can hoard and how we can greed. So it's a, it's a beautiful firm, beautiful culture, and, and our son's worked there six weeks now. He's in his six weeks. So last week, he had uh, put something, he, he was going into the kitchen to warm up lunch and go back and eat at his desk. So he put something in the microwave. He comes back in a few minutes later, and there's the CEO or the managing partner of the firm sitting there at a table in the break room, the community break room. Now, he doesn't have his own dining room, right? He, he's the big boss, but he's there, where the break room where everybody comes eating a sandwich, reading a paper. In the moment when Josh, our son, walks in, he puts the paper down. He says, wow, I was hoping somebody would come. Would you care to join me? Right? The CEO not scheduling, hey, Gary, I want to have lunch with you, and here's what we're going to talk about, but just putting himself out there, being available to whomever happens to show up, inviting them in, and then engaging them in heart-to-heart, -heart, walls down, doors open, conversation. And I'm like, that's amazing. How does that make you feel about the decision you made to join this company? Because he's already feeling great. There is this heart-to-heart, 30-minute conversation with the CEO. That's leading with vulnerability. What a great example. And another big shout out to, to Gary Ridge. I've had the pleasure to meet him by a world blue the last couple of years, Kevin. And I'll be honest with you, I had tears in my eyes. Yeah. Um, 2017, I went in for the first time. I went to San Diego last year as well. And even though I knew what I was expecting going around their headquarters in San Diego, I literally moved, literally yeah. moved to tears in my eyes of how genuinely human-centered that organization and that leader in Gary Ridge is. And it was... Okay, so I got to ask you, I'm, I'm going to jump into your seat Please. a moment as podcast host. No, no. Go for it. What was it in that? What, what did you see? What did you experience that moved you to tears? It was literally... Again, the word congruent is important here. You know, as in that... I think the first thing was the building. So they've actually spent a lot of money on a building that not only serves the team you know the tribe members gary's team but you know they've designed it in a way the white noise that's pumped out of you know to keep it at an ambient noise to get around all the sort of just, just the thought i think that's my point the thought and the detail and the individualization of the whole setup but on a combined collective basis there's a very individual everyone's seen as an individual kevin but it's a very clear tribe to the point of the TP in reception. And it was just that, yeah, I just, I, I'm struggling with words because it's all coming back to me now as I explain it. It's just, it's a feeling. It's just a well, feeling. So here's the point that, that I would, I didn't know if you'd say, I'm glad you, it, it was palpable. I mean, you felt something. Yes. You didn't just see something, you felt something. So I do a lot of work around culture. And when I'm, you know, I always have this conversation with folks how long does it take you to get a feel for an organization's culture when you walk in the door? For me, 30 seconds. Absolutely. You, Absolutely. you usually can get a feel. Okay, is everybody all buttoned up here? Is it very hierarchical? Oh, Mr. Turner, we are delighted. We've been expecting you. You know, we're glad you came, right? And it's all buttoned up and all of that. Or you, you get this sense. I, I was working with a biotech company in Cambridge, Mass. Walked in the door, and this is one of those I love. I'm already getting the vibe, but when I walk in and taking the tour, right there in the middle, on the same floor with everybody else, in the middle of the floor were the CEO suites, the C-suites, their offices. And their offices were glass offices, big cubes, but glass. So transparent. What You can see the CEOs aren't 
sequestered away five floors or 30 floors away as a company I used to work with where the CEOs had private elevators from the parking deck so they don't have to mix with the riffraff, you know, those kind of things. But here they are right in the middle, clear, open glass, transparent, all of that. There's a phrase I picked up from a friend, kind of comes from the marketing world, but everything communicates. Mm -hmm. Everything communicates. So when you walk into a building, how you're greeted by the receptionist communicates something. What, what, what you see in the office, seeing a, a teepee in the headquarters, hmm, well, what's this about? You know, it's that throwback to tribe. Tribe isn't just in the vernacular. Tribe is part of their culture. And, you know, so everything communicates and you just get this feel. And that's what you're looking for. The word you, and I love the word congruence as well. You're looking for congruence. You're looking that, that the, the feel that I thought I would have coming in is congruent with what's actually happening here. So there's harmony. You know, what, what's the opposite? It's dissonant. Dissonant is when, when things are incongruent, something's out of sync, out of sorts. It's not, it's not harmonious. It's not in rhythm with the others. And, and when you walk in and you see, you know, dissonance, you feel that as well. Oh, my God. You've got me going now, Kevin, because, I'm, um, because <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want to make this podcast too, um, um, to WD40 centric, but it's such a powerful organization because I, I just want to put out there as well. We're talking about humans first. We're talking about leading with heart. And that is absolutely the right thing and where we're going. For some of the skeptics, there might be a few that have come on or, or maybe they're not skeptical. They're just, oh, my God, that's a dream for me to work in somewhere like that. I just want them to hear this point. I ask Gary a question. How do you manage your investors? Because this organization, WD40, is publicly traded. Publicly traded. It's, not, it's not a family company. Gary Ridge picks his investors. He says, mm. with respect, if you're a short-term investor, you're not the right partner for us. But if you're long-term, we want to work with you. So like, w, let's be clear, anyone that's listening, WD40 is not a soft option for an investor. Far from it. The complete opposite, I would say. And I just, I just wonder what your thoughts were on that, Kevin, as well. Well, so I've followed WD40 company for seven years and I've watched. And in those times, I mean, I've, and just last week, Gary was on one of those financial analyst shows where he's going to head to head, you know, with somebody that's kind of um, abrasive of CEOs and Gary holds his own. And Gary says that, you know, when, when, because at least here in, in the United States, I think this is pretty global, but folks are always looking for the 90 day, what, you know, this quarter's performance, this month's performance, blah, blah. And Gary's always, always, and sometimes he's, he's, you know, getting a little beat up over a short term performance. Every time he does, he reframes it in the long term perspective, long term perspective. And, and, you know, that's just what we have to remind people. This is the long game. And, you know, Gary, I want to say something back to the, the folks who, um, man, <laughs> if you're skeptical or cynical, I can assure you there are points in my life where, where we could have gone head to head and toe to toe with skepticism and cynicism because I've had a lot of it in my life as well. And so I think there are a lot of people that just fear this is too good to be true. And, and, Let's be honest. There's some companies jumping, jumping on the humans first bandwagon because it's the right thing to do from a business perspective in today's world, in today's climate. They're being judged by that. You know, then there are. Did the leopard really change its spots? In some cases, no. In some cases, but I think you really, you know, in some cases, it's healthy to maintain a bit of skepticism. But if you are skeptical, I just want to invite you to be willing enough to see if there's not somewhere, someplace that is different. It may not be your company. Maybe you need to leave a company and find another company. But there are plenty of places who are in it, you know, for the long term. And, and they're in it because, not because humans first is profitable, but because humans first is the way we should be doing business. You know, so the the way I posted that Bob Chapman uh, comment earlier today was th 
Some people ask, what's the business case for humans first? And my, my immediate response, Gary, is, gosh, does there need to be a business case for just doing what's the right thing to do? I don't think so. But if you need a business case, look at Barry Waymiller. This is a company that's getting people's heads and hearts in addition to their hands. Barry Waymiller, they, they have grown by acquiring companies that were struggling. Now, they don't call it acquiring. I love this from Bob Chapman. They call it adopting. They adopt a company because they have this family environment. And where most companies, if you have acquired a struggling company, what's the first thing you do? <laughs> Got it. Just, yeah. Chop heads, cut payroll, eliminate people. Barry Waymiller takes a very different approach. We're going to keep the people. And we're going to turn the company around with the same people that the previous leaders were saying were the problem. We're going to draw out of them the beauty and the brilliance that's in them and the bravery uh, to bring Kimberly Davis back into the conversation, the beauty, the brilliance, and the bravery that they have. And we're going to turn this company around because we believe people are really capable of doing the, the impossible when we just create the right environment believe in them and inspire them to do it they'll do the amazing you know this is something that resonates so much with me um, i wrote a linkedin article a few weeks ago called exponential human potential and i genuinely believe kevin i back to this thing about something palpable going on with humans first with you know this rehumanization of work i genuinely feel we're about to spike like technology is on the moore's law spike i really feel humanity's at the same level and that could be i wonder what you think to this I think that's partly why we've got the, you know, without going too political, but the, the sort of the fear that's out there in the world, the polarization, I feel is because people are so used to being subservient to the system or not being themselves or not showing up as who they really are, that it's sort of, they feel safer to jump on one end or the other than to go, I'll, I'll, I'll ride the humanity. I'm going to be more of me because this is going to be an amazing ride like you and I can feel it's going to be. But I think a lot of people are scared, Kevin. Yeah. I agree. And, and, and so many leaders, not the leaders you and I respect or admire but, or appreciate, but so many leaders, fear is their friend and fear is their tool. You know, they lead, they want to be feared. They don't want to be respected. They want to be feared. And, and you know, and somehow they think that that's beneficial. You know, that people are fearing. Okay, I worked for a guy years ago, the first sales job I ever had, first formal sales job I ever had, worked for a guy who said in the company I just left, we, we'd hire a new group of salespeople and at the end of the week of training, we'd fire one just to show everybody we're serious. You know, and I mean, there was fear pumped into the atmosphere. You know, kind of like, and I love that analogy. Rich Sheridan is the one where I got this from. Think about the, you know, the HVA system. Some companies try to pump fear in to control people. Gary's belief, I mean, um, Rich's belief, Rich Sheridan's belief, the first job of a leader is to what? Pump fear out of the environment. And then you get into that conversation that comes from uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. There are only two primary emotions, fear and love. So if you pump fear out, what do you have in its place? Hmm. Love. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm conscious that I could keep you on this podcast for the next three days. I think we knew that was going to happen. But um, I'm really interested. It's a little bit of a segue sort of back to your education. I know it's a couple of years ago, Kevin. But I love the fact that you did theology and then a master's in organizational leadership. Where, where did the theology come from in terms of like, was that, it's a really unusual degree that I see these days. So I'm wondering where that came from. Okay, so, um, well, this is a fun conversation. You know, and for years, I, being totally honest here, for years I had hidden the theology that, that was my degree because, I, you know, it just, it brought up more challenges in folks. And so here's where it really comes from. I grew up in a, in a rural part of the uh, southeastern United States. And going back, I said to you early on that I always had this desire to do work that mattered and to make a difference. I grew up in a time of 
history and a part of the culture where there was this really solid worldview that there was sacred work and then there was secular work and only the sacred work had meaning and value so if you wanted to do work that had meaning and made a difference well the path was to be a professional healer a, you know a physician a pastor or a teacher those were the professions that had that and so just being wired the way i was like well okay that's what this means i i want to make a difference i want to do work that matters so obviously what i was taught at the time i needed to study theology because that was the way to do it or at least that was the way i understood at the time then i was on staff at a couple of churches and i was a bit radical and and soon found myself on the outs and i was like oh well if that's what you have to do to succeed here i'll just go work in the business world <laughs> so that was the but you know really when i think about it it was just because there was this bifurcated worldview that said some of life is secular some of life is sacred or some of life is holy some of life is unholy well i just believe anything we do can be holy it, it's how we do it. It's what we bring to it and, and what we give of ourselves to it. So um, that's a fun question to answer. That's, that's awesome. Thank you, for, thank you for sharing so openly. But, it's, but what I love, though, is how that actually connects to the whole purpose of this podcast, this value to vulnerability, is that even from an early age, you, you knew enough about yourself that you were not going to be pigeonholed or put into a box that was going to not serve you to help yeah. you serve others. And I think that's really powerful. Hmm. Well, I appreciate you. I'm, I'm not sure I always thought of it that way. <laughs> you know, that's one of those, that's where some cynicism came in my life. As we're rolling up to the last few minutes, Kevin, I've got to, I've, I've never asked this question before. And I don't uh -oh. know, you, you're bringing this up for me. So get ready. Okay. What do people say about Kevin Monroe when you're not in the room? You know, I guess my question would be, my answer would be, how do I know? <laughs> great, 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 great response. But based on how people interact with you. Well, I, I will tell you something. Um, hmm. I've had people say stuff about me lately. And, I, and some of it has been in an email where I asked somebody to introduce me to someone. And, and they copied me on the email. And, and when they read when I read what they put in the email, I was like, wow. You know, so my, when I look at my aspirations, my aspirations are to show up, um, to, to be authentic, to be real, to be kind, compassionate. I would say to be compassionate, uh, to be, so for me, I mean, th these are the three words I've started every day with the last four years now. I want to be radiant, abundant, and present. Now, for me, radiant means this, this shining thing, letting the light that's in me shine out and, and just be and shine brilliant. So, um, gosh, Anne, I'm trying to call it Anne Lamott. Anne Lamott has this beautiful quotation I love. Lighthouses don't go running around the island looking for somewhere to shine their light. They just stand there and shine. Right. So this whole idea of brilliance and, and all of us have brilliance within us. I, I, I love Leonard Cohen. I think Leonard Cohen got this one thing a wee bit wrong. Leonard Cohen said the cracks are how the light get in. I'm like, I think cracks are how the light get out. You know, it's, it's through our imperfection. It's our flaws and, and people still seeing something of beauty and brilliance shining through you. So that's, that's radiant. Abundant means I just want to believe there's enough for all of us. I grew up in, not in an impoverished family, but in not a poor family. Yeah, heck, we had so much love. I didn't know we were poor for years, you know, in, by socioeconomic standards. But I just want to believe there's enough. And that there's enough for everybody and that I'm not having to worry about, gosh, if I give this to Gary, am I getting mine? Just abundance mentality. And then present is, let's be present in the moment. Let's be present to this conversation, whatever is happening now. You know, like, so I was pretty intentional to turn off cell phone, to turn off email, to turn off 
anything that would buzz, ding, or ring while you and I are talking because this is all that matters in this moment, being in this moment. That's a long answer to your question, but here's what I loved in, in a couple of emails and a 360. People, I use the word compassion, people use the word kind. Um, and and the, the CEO introducing me to another CEO talked about Kevin works with heart and gets to the heart of the matter, which is human issues in our business. And, and I mean, that's just been less than two weeks that I saw that, Gary. And when I saw that, I'm like, man, can you write my marketing copy for me? You know, because <laughs> I've never said anything like that. But that, if you, yeah, I want to get to the matters of the heart, which are the heart of the issues in business. And those are issues that we don't normally want to talk about because they're soft. And we want to talk about the hard, tangible stuff. Oh, don't start me off. We've not got another hour. Don't start me off, Kevin, on the old soft skills versus hard skills debate. But I tell you what, what's really interesting in what you just said, though, for me, which is really fascinating, is you spoke about this, you know, giving and receiving trust. You know, we're talking about giving and receiving, you know, the bravery and all these sorts of things. You know, you seem to be brave. You give bravery and all these other great things. What you just described there is beautiful for me, which is the CEO giving another CEO, yeah, how Kevin shows up. And I think yeah. it's back, back to that point again. It doesn't matter how much you do market yourself as Kevin inside out. It's sort of politely worthless if those two people don't see it the same way. Spot on. Spot on, right? It, yes. Um, it's what other people say to us that it, about us that's our best marketing, not what we say about ourselves. So, and is, and is that not why feedback is such a critical tool? Because if we're not, again, back to vulnerability, if we're not prepared to lean in and get that feedback or to give feedback with heart and compassion and with constructiveness, you know, we're missing out on all this great opportunity. Okay, so I'm going to, can I use this as a springboard? Please. You listening, Please. engage with us, give us feedback. Absolutely. Here is, here's a secret. Gosh, I'm watching our time. Here's a secret. Here's how, what I've learned that has opened the doors for me for so many amazing people in the world. And that's that when I'm reading a book, I'll tweet, I'll find the author's Twitter ID, and I'll engage the author in conversation. And when the author responds, and then we get into rich dialogue. You saw this with Kimberly Davis. I was reading her book to get ready for a podcast. And all of a sudden, I'm tweeting some things. And she's like, thank you for the gift. I don't know what resonates. with. I write a book. I may not know what resonates unless people tell me. So that's kind of like with this podcast. You, you have the opportunity to just listen and receive. But if you are, really want to get a benefit out of this, engage. Share your feedback with Gary and me. Tell us what resonated. Tell us what, well, I would have liked to have heard more about that or, or that point was really unclear because that's one of the things I've learned, Gary. It's when I'm saying things in a podcast and go, wow, that came out like muddy water. You know, I, the idea seemed crystal clear in my mind until I started talking about it. And then you just saw everybody just glaze over and you're like, oh, that didn't, that didn't land well. So, you know, you can feedback with the podcast and that's why this community aspect of it is so beautiful. It's great. And I know that I've babbled a bit on this because I've just loved this conversation, but you know something I'm okay with it. Cause I, I feel safe. Hmm. Any feedback will be given with care and compassion. And I think that that's the beauty. That's such a beauty. It is. It is. Kevin, you're an absolute joy. Honestly, I knew this would be fun, but I didn't realize that we'd actually devour that much time that quickly. So how can people reach out to you? What are the best ways if they don't know you yet? What's the best way to reach out to you? Um, I have a website, kevindmonroe.com. The D middle initial is really important. Kevindmonroe.com. Without the D, you go somewhere else. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. That is LinkedIn and Twitter are my favorite social medias. Uh, Twitter is Kevin underscore Monroe and then LinkedIn, you just find Kevin Monroe. I, I guess I was one of the first, the first Kevin Monroe to jump on LinkedIn. So I'm just linkedin.com slash Kevin Monroe. You find me there. And we're just people, you know, 
if you if you message me, I will respond and I will enjoy responding. So I invite you. I, I mean, let's connect, let's converse, because that's what this is about. Beautiful. What a lovely way to wrap up. And uh, thank you so much for your time, Kevin. And uh, I look forward to more people getting to know you. Well, thank you, Gary. Thank you. You know, as a podcast host, I appreciate the privilege of coming on and, and getting connected to your uh, tribe and, and being able to just have this conversation. So thank you. And thank you for listening. Thanks very much. Cheers, Kevin. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi there, just Gary Turner, your podcast host, wrapping up this, oh, what can I say, just incredible podcast with uh, Kevin Monroe. Just took so, so much away from it, and I really, really hope that you did too. But just to wrap up some of my key reflections from this conversation, it's really interesting hearing Kevin talk about his father being one of the most authentic people that he ever knew, um, that in his teens, like so many of us, he was embarrassed by how comfortable his dad was being himself. I just think there's some parallels there about the world of work. You know, if we've grown up with that embarrassment, whether it be from a young age or whether we're just embarrassed to be ourselves because we've been conditioned not to be ourselves over the education system as we've grown up, etc. I just wonder sometimes, is it fear or is it embarrassment as to why we don't show up fully at work? Maybe there's a combination. But no, it's just a really interesting reflection for me there. I loved hearing about Kevin's son, who works at this uh, organization that, uh, where the clients work on giving their wealth away. You know, hearing that the CEO doesn't have his own office room and that uh, Kevin's son got asked to sit down and join him for lunch. Okay, there might be a smaller company now, but there's still a huge cultural message of intent there. And if we think about Gary Ridge and um, his work at WD40, so Gary Ridge has the same size office as all of his colleagues at the headquarters in San Diego. So there's some really key symbols that can be given by the, the senior leaders, the C-suite within organizations that say, we all matter. Um, we are all of equal value. And uh, I really enjoyed learning about uh, Kevin's son's environment. I also really enjoyed with Kevin, he spoke about that his goal is to keep the walls down and the door open. And vulnerability for Kevin is actually all about lowering those walls. And the walls we build imprison ourselves, get comfortable with who you are. I just think there's some such strong messaging there. You know, we're not trained, we're not developed, we're not brought up believing that we need to be cognizant, that we have to be thinking and reflecting about how much of our walls, how high are they built, or you know, are we actually imprisoning ourselves both in our thinking, but also um, literally in the roles that we do at work. So I absolutely love Kevin's approach there to keeping the walls down and keeping the door open. And it really resonates with me that. He also spoke about, if you want to invite vulnerability from your team, you need to go first. Leaders need to go first. And this reminds me of the work of Simon Sinek um, with Leaders Eat Last and also his other work um, to date. And I just think that leaders go first. They have to role model vulnerability. Now, why would somebody else go um, and display maybe where they see there's a problem on the, on, the, on the plant or maybe they're seeing an issue that can be resolved on the front line. But if it's not safe for people to get to be vulnerable, then, you know, why would they bother? Um, so, yeah, re really powerful reflection that. Interesting hearing. You heard me a lot talk about the importance of congruence and how congruent I feel Kevin is really is an inspiration. Um, Kevin spoke about dissonance is the opposite of congruence. And that's a really interesting reflection for me and something that I'm still pondering. And also I really enjoyed him talking about that we all have a longing for belonging and that let's all just be a light. Let's show love. Let's be a voice of hope um, in this world. And I, yeah, I, I just, just I, as you can hear, I just can't, I, I cannot disagree with any of uh, what Kevin's saying. And why don't I disagree? Because it's just deeply human. It's just deeply human, deeply connected. It's what all of us already are. And one extra reflection I want to put out here is Rich Sheridan from Menlo Innovations, who Kevin spoke about. Um, so Rich talks about if you pump fear out, what do you have left? You have love. Or as Bob Chapman would say on Kevin's uh, podcast of today, which is when I'm doing these reflections on our conversation on the 2nd of April, he talks about care. Whether you call it love, whether you call it care, the bottom line is if we do not have fear, we replace it with love or care. And I just want to leave one final reflection for you out there. If you are aware of some of these progressive organizations like Menlo Innovations, like WD40, 
like uh, Barry Waymiller. So I've been exposed to these through a number of people in my network, such as Kevin uh, Monroe, such as Tracy Fenton at World Blue, and also um, Perry Timms, a good friend of mine in the UK. We do keep coming back to the same few examples. And while they are brilliant and they are exemplary, there are not enough of them. And I put a challenge out there. I would like to learn if you are aware of organizations like WD40, like Menlo, like, um, sorry, like Barry Way Miller. Who else are you hearing about that is leading with heart, leading with love, and they are driving exceptional performance by looking at the front end, by looking at those people that they are there to serve and they serve them? You know, what other organizations am I not aware of? Because I'd love to understand more about them. I'd love to try and meet them and understand how they're operating and to collaborate with the likes of Kevin on trying to get a better understanding as to this human's first approach, human-centered as I call it. And I just really want to just share, that, share a light, shed a light on more and more examples of where this genuinely human-centered approach is adding value and people are going home enriched, as you'll hear more about on the, uh, the Bob Chapman and the Kevin Monroe podcast. So thank you so much for listening to my end of these podcast ramblings. I absolutely adore Kevin Munro, the work that he does and the movement that he's helping to co-create uh, alongside uh, Mike Vacanti. So I really hope that you find some of this helpful. Please do feedback. You know, you are a critical part of the podcast process. Uh, Kevin uh, outlined that absolutely at the beginning. And it, again, I would like to reiterate that more and more as I go forward with this podcast as well. This is episode 48. Episode 49 coming up is with the awesome Stephanie Barnes who merges and interfaces creativity and the arts with the business world. And then episode 50 is very, very fitting. It will be Gary Ridge, CEO of WD40 in a couple of weeks time. Have a wonderful day, evening or morning, wherever you are in the world. Thanks for now.